0: Hi everyone, welcome to Afterlife. This is your host, Puja Chilakuri, and I'm very excited about my guest today. Jacob Cooper is my guest today, and Jacob is the best-selling author of Life After Breath and The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. He's a sought-after speaker on grief, wisdom, and consciousness, offering meditation and mindfulness seminars to help others find purpose and overcome fears of life after death. As a clinical social worker, Reiki master, and certified hypnotherapist specializing in past life regression, Jacob uses his extensive personal and professional experience to empower one soul at a time. Welcome to the show, Jacob.
1: Oh, such an honor. Thank you for having me, Pooja. Really, I'm so glad that the heavens opened up and we connected.
0: <laughs> me too. Me too. And I just have read both your books. I've read your memoir, Life After Breath, and I read your recent release, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder. I mm-hmm. haven't been able to put them down. Like I read them both in one shot. And The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, I have to tell you, you have to go back and read again and again, <laughs> because there was so much wisdom in there. <laughs> so without uh, further ado, I'm going to jump right into it. I uh, love for you to share your near death experience with
1: us. Yes, well, thank you for your high compliments on both of my books. It really, really means the world to me. Um, but you know, at three years old, September nineteen ninety three, I had an NDE due to suffocating as a result of whooping cough, and uh, I went to a playground that day, and you know, I wasn't able to breathe due to the, due to suffocation. And so I was climbing a ladder onto a slide, hence the name, the Wisdom Jacob's Ladder. And I got to the top of the slide and I just started to suffocate where there was no breath to hold on to. Uh, There was no life that I was experiencing was just this endless period of torture and suffering, you know, that I was having and suffocating and trauma. Uh, But, you know, after when I was suffering and suffocating, I was able to surrender to something else and this was a breath beyond my human body and this was the breath of eternity and so while my actual human breath wasn't working i recognized that there's a breath within all of us the breath of creation and so i was able to surrender to this and once i surrendered I acknowledged the pain but understood that you know it came and gone that this breath of eternity triumphed the breath of the human body that was taken from me It was when I was able to transcend this experience and cross over. And I had a profound near death experience, uh, which I chronicle in both my books. uh, But I encountered, you know, all that was inside of me that was always around me that maybe, you know, I and so many of us lost sight of. And this included, you know, angels, uh, spirit guides, soul family members, a purpose to our life, you know, and even the highest endless pinnacle of reality as we know as we know it which all things emanate from and the best way that we could describe that in our vernacular is god but it goes far beyond you know a word to describe that so it was profound it was a roller coaster of intense lows and the highest of highs that you could possibly imagine wouldn't wish it on anyone but wouldn't trade it for anything and i'm grateful for it um it was a real blessing from you know, the heavens to have this experience. Um, You know, I'm grateful for every part of it.
0: And I'm so grateful that you took the time to share that experience with us, Jacob. Um, I remember from reading your memoir and from listening to you right now, it it was when you were a child. And, you know, one of the things I wonder about, crossing over, you know, experiencing reality from a very different point of view, did you still feel like, That was the child, Jacob, that was experiencing all that um, that you
1: experienced. Yeah. I think two things could be true at the same time. We live in a reality where it's like we have one thing and that has to be true, you know, and that's it. So, you know, when I was crossing over on the other side, yes, I was aware of myself in that three-year-old self, but I was also the real experience this, you know, came from beyond my three-year-old body. You know, this was the soul that I was experiencing it in my infinite awareness. And so I think each and every one of us has attachment to our chronological ages, our cultures, you know, our jobs, and all this stuff. And these are all things that we are experiencing, but they're not the full totality of our stories. Our stories go far beyond this chapter, this page that we're currently on, you know. And so having this NDE, you know, it's controversial and thought provocative because people say, well, you're just an infant. What do you know? And I say, no, I was, we're never just an infant. You're an infinite spiritual being, experiencing yourself as an infant, mm-hmm. but there's an awareness far beyond, you know, that age or how you present to the world or how the world sees you. There's so much mm-hmm. more that meets the eye, not just in the spirit realm, but also to children and infant and to all of us in particularly." Most of us looked at the very surface at each other and missed so much more that meets the eye.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree with that. You know, one of the things um, that I want to ask, I'm dying to ask you, is did you experience any kind of fear, any kind of judgment? Because a lot of people have, and myself included, used to have a lot of anxiety about, you know, just around the subject of death. And ever since I've been watching NDEs, you know, that's dissipated. Uh, But I'm just curious, what was your experience like? Did you feel fear or judgment or any of those things?
1: You know, when I was suffocated, yeah, that was the scariest moment of my life. But it's also a blessing of trauma. I firmly believe without that trauma, you know, I probably wouldn't be here today telling the story. You know, trauma Uh was the gift of memory you know, many people disassociate with trauma, but some have very strong ability to remember it as if it's happening right now. Mm -hmm. You know, so trauma was the gift that I had and being able to fully recall it, you know, but certainly suffocating. Yeah, that was the scariest moment of my life. Um, but it was very short. Um, it was very intense and very short, but I was able to have healing once I really crossed over. So here's what I'll say, you know, I view a lot of near-death experiencers and people who have had near death experience, and some talk about distressing near-death experiences. Honestly, when you cross over, there's no room for negativity or fear or judgment. You know, that doesn't exist. Um and I think if any of that, it's it's your own that you experience and it's your own adjustment, but that's not reflective of what's over there. What's mm-hmm. over there is so beyond this reality in terms of the immense amount of love, support, you know, guidance, you know, that's there, that it's something far beyond anything that we've experienced in this love, no matter how much unconditional love we have, you know, there's, there's infinite more over there. know. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I, you know, and I also realize and understand that language that we use here is very limited, probably yeah. what you experience. And I'm just Forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'm sure it's hard to describe it in human words. Um, And and you were three years old. So I wonder, like coming back into your body, was that uh, difficult? Was that difficult to explain to others what you've been through? Like, how was that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm learning stuff about my near-death experience every day. I mean, there was a part of me that, you know, early on really didn't talk about it. So I threw out an early interviews and said, okay, I was four or five years old, because I'm my own biggest skeptic. And I couldn't imagine like, I was this young, I knew I was in preschool, but like, I forgot, like, okay, you could be four or three, you know, you you could be three years old in preschool. So I spoke to my parents, and they told me that I was three years old, which blew my mind, because it just seems like just yesterday. And I'm like, geez, how do I, you know, yeah. But also, my father told me that, Shortly after my experience, and I'm just kind of using my language now, but I told him, you know, remember when I was rushed to the hospital after having my NDE, something profound happened, which won't make sense to you now, but one day it will. And, you know, my dad told me that, you know, that I told him that. I I don't remember telling him that, but he's, you know, very left brain logical. He's also a therapist, so he's not like woo-woo or isn't going to make any stuff up. Um, what you see is what you get in many ways. So, but, you know, having the trauma of the inter- near-death experience also influenced my brain because my brain was deprived of oxygen and I felt a large snap of my brain. You know, there's there's a saying, my brain, you know, my brain cracked open and God came in. Well, literally that happened to me. I mean, my brain, I felt a large crack in my brain. You know, and once this happened, you know, I was really able to have a full crossover experience as well as surrendering to it. Um but I I recognize that my brain was much different. And, you know, within this reality, there's two sides of consciousness. There's a rigid material reductionalism, Mm -hmm. which will say that the brain produces the mind, you Mm -hmm. know, or, you know, near-death experiences kind of put that, you know, into question, because if you have these NDEs, then how are you supposed to have any development of thought or mind? Bear in mind something that's you're able to remember, like myself, 30 years later, something so clear. So where is that coming from? So I think the brain filters the mind, but doesn't produce it. Uh, but, you know, very early in my childhood, I would have a lot of these, you know, mediumistic experiences, and I was crossing over on a regular basis. Uh, but I recognized that the world around me was so blind to this stuff, and they mm-hmm. were so, so far into them. You know, so in a sense, I, I might have, the Physical suffocation that I had in my NDE might have stopped, you know, when I went to the hospital and was taken care of, but the emotional, psychological suff- suffocation continued for several decades later mm-hmm. in my life where I just felt very alone. Um, it wasn't until I picked up a book by an author and a friend of mine named Betty 80, uh, called Embraced by the Light. You know, she's been featured on Oprah Winfrey in the 90s, uh, that. Gave me a a language for this kind of thing. I thought I was the only one that had it, you know. So Betty's book changed my life and gave me the vernacular that my friend Doctor Raymond Moody Mm -hmm. establishes. This as a thing, and it's called a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. But to me, it was just something that I didn't have a term for that I kept very close to my heart.
0: that's incredible, Jacob. You said something very profound, and I'm going to repeat it because I think it's important. Uh, You said that the brain doesn't the brain filters the mind. It doesn't produce it. I have to mm-hmm. write that down somewhere for myself.
1: The um, brain does not produce consciousness. I yeah. I am living proof of that. Yeah. Yes,
0: yes, you definitely are. And you also said something else, you know, um, you discovering Betty's book. Yeah, I've heard, um, I think I've heard her story. It's incredible also. But uh you know, being a child, being a teenager, uh, there's this human part of you that wants to fit in, right? So I know you having these spiritually transformative experiences crossing over, probably made it very difficult as a teenager to, um, you know, adjust and fit in. So do you want to comment on that? Because I know teenagers go through a lot anyways. But to have that extra.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was very hard. I mean, there's always black sheep in families. But you know, my family, we had the same food. We had the same house. We had the same parents. But I was by far the most difficult child of them all. And what was the differentiating factor? I understand there's black sheeps and differences, but I was a <laughs> tremendous outlier beyond a black sheep.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I started therapy at ten years old. I was just someone who wrecked havoc. Um, but in a way, you know, there was a reality that I was resisting in some way you know, that I wasn't agreed with, or it just didn't make sense. I think sometimes we forget um, that part of ourselves, you know, that we aren't these kids, we're these infinite souls, and the world sees us as that. So there's conformity. Um, so I guess to myself to survive, I had to kind of bury this, mm-hmm. you know, away and just kind of learn how to be a kid and bury that awareness that saw past, you know, this kind of thing. But I think to thrive, I had to make sense of it. And that happened, still happening every day, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, to, to be called a kid or to go through this again, knowing that I'm not a kid and experiencing myself as that was, it's quite challenging. I lead to a lot of defiant behaviors and, you know, because people were looking at me as something that I knew that I just was not. <laughs> I am uh, so more. You know? Yeah, you
0: know, I li- I'm listening to you, and I'm thinking, you know, what a you know, and, and again, the word burden maybe isn't the right word, but I'm thinking, what a special burden to have because I think being forgetful. I know we're souls; we come here, we forget. You know, we're adjusting to this body, but in some ways, it makes it easier to have the human experience. I don't know. What do you feel like with all that awareness? Has it made it harder? Is it easier? Like, I'm just trying to.
1: Right. It made my childhood a lot harder.
0: Yeah, I can um, imagine. undeniable.
1: undeniable um, for many reasons. I mean, the trauma of, of suffocating what I had, you know, made quite a tumultuous childhood combined with just, you know, how awkward it was, you know, knowing what I knew yeah. and other people not, you know, it just kind of like everyone's in this conveyor belt, you take yourself out of it and you recognize what's going on and you probably know more than the adults. You know, kind of dictating your mm-hmm. belt. I mean, yeah, you know, so, but 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 to kind of survive the next like chapters, you just kind of need to conform and do yeah. and play the game. So I had to kind of bury that in a way. Yeah. Um, but I think as an adult, it's been a lot more rewarding um, as I've come into my own. Um, but you know, with great power of awareness comes great responsibility. I would say. I mean, this NDE it was a big responsibility. It just doesn't take care of itself on its own. Um, So it it required an immense amount of work and vulnerability, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, But I recognize that this experience wasn't just for me. I think we have a term and that's always thrown out that says we are one. But what exactly does that mean? Uh, Oneness does not mean sameness because we're not all the same. We, We are unique. We are different. But beyond the difference is a phyla of connectivity um but i learned in my nde having it you know in a playground wasn't trivial it wasn't by accident um there's a saying we're all children's in god's playgrounds here as our brothers and sisters keeper responsible for one another so to me that meant okay i'm responsible to help out others Mm -hmm. you know and this near-death experience is something profound for me to give to others, it wasn't just a gift for me to hold on to, it was a gift for me to give to others to not tell anything new that people didn't know, but to remind them of what they already know deep within.
0: Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing your gift with us because I think when when you do that, you give others permission to share their gift. Because sometimes I wonder, you know, how many of us have spiritually transformative experiences, whether it's near death or something else. And we buried that gift because we're struggling so hard to fit in in the world around us. So right. thank you for sharing your gifts. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I do have a question about speaking of the world. Um, one of the things I remember reading in your memoir that struck me was, uh, you said you experienced like spirit guides and angels and there was a Christ awareness Being at three years old, those were probably not things you had already heard or familiar with, because sometimes people say, you know, you see or hear things that you already taught, but that wasn't part of your upbringing, right?
1: No. Yeah, which really gives a lot more validity to the experience, Um, and it's congruent with near-death experiences. I mean, there are people who are atheists, you know, who totally don't believe in God, and all of a sudden have their minds blown or people who might grow up you know in islamic faiths and they experience jesus or you know so it, then the nde has nothing to do with religious viewpoints yeah. and if it does to me it's not an authentic nde you're just kind of carrying over you know what you what you prior believe it should be something you know in a way totally different than you know r- r- religious programming or condition
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, spirituality what- transcends that to me
0: And can I ask you a question out of curiosity? I'm very curious about this because I don't know anything about this. Um, I've heard of angels, but you mentioned spirit guides. Uh, Do you, is there a difference?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, You know, angels are are more, you think, you know, the term micro and macro, right? Macro is more of like big picture and more focused on the greater good, the greater whole. Spirit guides to me are more micro. Spirit guides are more focused on the individual. You know, they're contracted with you and they're beings that, to me, are your closest things to you that we know it as. You know, they are your cheerleaders. They are your biggest supporters. You know, they're here contracted you before you get here, beings that you have a profound connection with. Um, You know, I think the deepest connection you could have with almost any being is your spirit guides. Um, And with time, I think... Spirit guides evolve, but your two primary guides that you come into this world with, um, you know, stay. Your primary guards, guides guides mm-hmm. stay throughout your lifetime. You know, other guides on a on a on a more distant level kind of come and go, but your nuclear guides, you know, mm-hmm. are are the closest thing to you as you know it. Um so I I connected to an infinite amount of angels that I saw. You know, and they were more uniform in presentation. They're mm-hmm. less focused on me and more focused on the greater planet mm-hmm. and situation at hand. Uh, but in a sense, like all they were doing was just giving energy with, re- you know, no form of identity other than to give love. Yeah. And I almost had to like smack myself because it seemed more real than real. It was such an adjustment. Again, there's an mm-hmm. adjustment phase that you go through when you do crossover no matter how old or how young you've been on this earth for, you still carry like that part of you that is processing this through your earth experiences. And then you settle into your, you know, soul and your familiarity with it. Uh, But these angels that I saw weren't, you know, millions of miles away. They were right, you know, overlaying this reality right here. Mm -hmm. It's just thin, the thinnest veil ever separating this reality and the angelic realm. It's so thin, I can't begin to describe how thin of a veil, but it's, as you know, it's as real as looking at someone, it's like right in front of you, just a thin veil of separation.
0: And thank you for saying that, because one of the lies, and I'm going to say it, um, and I think I bought into it, is that the, the separation is so great between heaven and here.
1: No, and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it felt in many ways like I was a million miles away, yeah, but then also, part of it was really right overlaying my body on the ground in the playground it was right there so that's really my inspiration that the hereafter doesn't have to be after it is now it's it's around us inside of us not millions of galaxies away it it can be because you're talking about the infinite so the Mm -hmm. infinite is not one place they could point to and say this is it so it's all around us near and far you know all inside of us at the same time
0: and you know listening to you also gives me hope that we're never alone right you're talking about the guides the angels so jacob i'm i am very curious what i know this experience you process it it's taken the time you're sharing your gifts but what led you to the work that you're doing cuz i know you're um you know a psychotherapist and a social worker a hypnotherapist like is there a story behind that
1: i mean you know Yeah, you know, I I would say at the very basic, I was given my life given back to me when I was Mm -hmm. not able to hold on to anything and experience endless suffering. You know, I was saved from that and experience euphoria and the recollection that there is only life, you know, life is, is, you know, only that there is. But, you know, later in life, I remember, you know, and I recognize that people could be alive but could really be dead. They're not connected or they're not really truly living. So the key mm-hmm. is is to live while we live. So my goal was really to give back that life force that I was given back in my NDE to other people who just felt out of sorts or disconnected um, to really gain back their power and something that was always inside of them. They're kind of like the Wizard of Oz, like you had the power all along in you. Yeah. But sometimes we forget that and our identity of suffering triumphs our true identity of endless love and endless potential inside of all of us. Um, so I think it's really is about, you know, filling each person that I connect to in their box in a different way. Our box mm-hmm. determines our reality, how we see ourselves in this box. When we fill it in, will determine how we see reality, you know? So if you're able to be vulnerable enough, you know, to make the unknown something that you don't fear um, and so that you transform you know, it could change, you know, when you think about it, the world was once seen as flat, you know, throughout the majority of societies, we know it, but through daring discovery, you know, they were able to understand that that is not the case, that the world Mm -hmm. is round. So they were able to challenge what they knew to allow themselves to go into the unknown. And I think people get stuck of this afterlife stuff, because they'd rather hold on to what they know than to open themselves up to what they don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think growth comes from making friends with the unknown and constantly expanding our horizons, knowing that we can't die you know, from that, but we can die in, in a way from stagnation. Yes, We can't die from not moving. That is not living while we're living. To me, life force is kind of like a body of water. It replenishes itself. It's not a mm-hmm. stagnant body of water that has no flow, you know, no one wants to be around that, you know, want to be around something that's fresh and recreates itself and expands and, you know, has a rhythm to it.
0: And You know, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that um, stagnation. I think a lot of us cannot move past our pain. Um, You know, I've even heard, and I don't know if it's true that we can become addicted to our pain. So I appreciate it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. As a society, (laughs) just look at the news. What's there? It's not um, (laughs) angels and fairies. It's, you know, us versus them, you know, that kind of thing. And taking on political identities to triumph our spiritual identities.
0: And actually, yeah. that brings me to a lot of the insights that I found in your uh, recent book, *The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder*. Um, I love that book; I really do. Have un- I've already ruined it? I've like underlined it, written in
1: it. <laughs> so... to send You signed copy, to, uh, you know? <laughs>
0: yes, thank you. Um, so, one of the things I learned from that, you know, you're helping people process grief, and there's something you say in that book that touched me very deeply because. Um, I'm very attached to the people that I love, and I cannot imagine losing them, you know. Uh, But you talk about the journey going from that empty chair during the holidays to feeling connected with them all the time. So that process, you know, I'm just curious, um, how do you even begin to process?
1: Right. Like I said before, two things could be true at the same time you know, you could spiritually be aware of all these things, but you could also allow yourself to have natural human emotions. I don't believe the soul grieves. I think our psyches and emotions grieve. The soul knows, and it's infinitely connected on a deep level, you know, to, to loved ones who have crossed over, but our minds, oh, emotions, oh. and psyches, you know, grieve, I I believe. um, And so, you So we could have both the human awareness and the spiritual awareness. And I think it's important to allow yourself to have both of those coexisting and to not judge yourself if you're not, you know, because we live in a very trendy world. We just want to get on to the next thing. We just don't allow ourselves to be. So I think really an authentic life is just allowing yourself to unfold as is without judgment of where you think you should be or, you know, just allowing yourself to be as is. Um, you know, that will not necessarily change the fact that the person isn't there as you know it, or it won't necessarily change your grief because however long you knew the person is how long you're going to grieve. But it does mean that the grief does not have to take over your life and you could function and find meaning with it beyond the pain that you experience in some of the acute grief stages early on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Jacob. And also uh, another question I have is, um, you know, if people have anxiety around this whole process of death, because again, you know, I've, when I told someone that I was starting a podcast where I was going to be interviewing people over, you know, who've crossed over, I sense some resistance. Like this is not a comfortable topic for many of us. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, your story, the one of the things that really touched me when you talk about there being a lot of love on the other side, there's nothing to fear. Uh, Mm. Did you experience that just through the spirit guides? Or did you see family members? Like, I'm just
1: curious. I've, I've, you know, I've myself really had a lot of interdimensional communication beyond just my NDE, you know, and so I've had even an out-of-body experience, you know, in my early college years, which was profound as well, you know, and I think my NDE, you know, influenced that as well. I think a lot of near-death experiencers come back with gifts from interdimensional communication, you know, more heightened intuitive senses, just more of a familiarity connection to that. Um, But what I would say is it's a very rational belief system for people to fear death. I mean, it's, I mean, I do... The two biggest fears that people have, which is public speaking and death. (laughs) Those are the two biggest things that normal people have, you know, death and public speaking. Uh, But as a therapist, I could tell you that there is such a thing as short term and long term. Mm -hmm. Short term, yes, talking about this stuff for people who have fears to it will escalate potentially some of those fears. But through gradual exposure and at least talking about it, eventually, those fears could be reframed and they could be lessened. Uh-huh. And so I think the greatest fear comes through isolation or just burying things away. That's when uh-huh. the fear will overtake our lives. Uh-huh. Through gradual exposure, through talking about these subject matters, we could find a way to transform that box from fear, you know, into acceptance and love and meaning in our lives. Uh-huh. You know, and so it's a relationship that we have. We could look at death through fear or we could look at death to really accelerate our life, you know, recognizing, Hey, we're not in this body forever. Let's make the most of it, you know, and I'm living proof that anything could happen in every given moment in time. And it was just, uh-huh. an instant you going to a playground and boom, that was it. Uh-huh. And so that could happen to any of us. And so how do you want to live with that? Do you want that to take away life itself? That's death right there. Or do we, do we want it to motivate your life so that you can live while you live at your best life, regardless of what happens in the afterlife? You know, there's a death that I know happens within this life through fear. Mm -hmm. I'm obviously living proof of it, but, you know, if you're fearing it so much, you're not really living while you're living. You're the walking dead.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, Jacob, uh, tell me a little bit about your work. Um, Who would be, you know, because I'm also in the wellness space. So, if I wanted to refer someone to you, um, is that a person that's dealing with grief? Is that a person who's emotionally dealing with pain? Who do you work with?
1: Yeah. I mean, at this point, you have a brain and a body, there's something that we could work towards. Yeah. You know, but but um I do I do a plethora of services from hypnosis, which is a form of hypnotherapy is past life regression, which I primarily do these days. Um, you know, New York State I provide psychotherapy because I'm only covered by my state licensure, okay. you know, to do that, but I also you know, coach people in a spiritual way, consciousness consulting.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, help
1: out people who are wanting to write books. You know, as mm-hmm. authors, I coach writers. Um, I do provide in-person or distance Reiki session. You know, mindfulness session. You know, so I do groups and individual sessions. So, I believe we are multidimensional beings, and not just our bodies. You know, we have you know psychological makeups. We have emotional makeups. Uh, we are person in our, our environment. You know, so. I think, you know, my goal is to meet people where they're at and finding different ways to navigate the needle of their lives, to progress to greater heights in their situations.
0: That's awesome. And your books, we can find, I got mine off of Amazon. And uh, is that the best place to get your books also?
1: Yeah, that's the majority of, you know, where I I do. I mean, occasionally, you know, I will send a signed copy, uh, but I do a lot of book signings, you know, in Long Island, where I live in New York, but I'm also going to Chicago know coming up which i'll post on my website i'm going to be going to a place called lilydale new york Mm -hmm. you know in august august 8th you know which is the center of spiritualism you know um you know it's like a community that was featured on the oprah winfrey network and hbo but essentially it's just residents mediums who reside there you know who are evidential mediums and people go there for you know readings and just you know connection to loved ones Mm -hmm. and the movement is called spiritualism you know and the term spirit is more of a Native American kind of term. It gets a lot of credibility from, you know, England and stuff like that. But really Native Americans are the ones who coined it because when you think of the term spirits, they would drink spirits and they would connect with the <laughs> ones. So that's really where the term spiritualism kind of comes from is how the natives would drink spirits, you know, and that's why spirits are called spirits. They're yep. spirits to connect to spirits, you know. Yeah.
0: It's sense. happened to me in
1: my life, but I wouldn't recommend it. There's natural ways with <laughs> Abusing There's... your brain and, you know, your, you know, in your liver and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, connect to spirits.
0: Yeah. That, would, that makes sense. So I'm going to include all of your information in the show notes, but the best way for people to reach you, do you prefer email?
1: Yeah. Email is great. You know, I'm also on social media. You know, I have a Facebook page, Jacob yes. Cooper, LCSW. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, so trying to create more community i think we've gone so far away from that Mm -hmm. but we could be not necessarily hunting society but we could be a gathering society with wi-fi these days so we've gone away from community um so my goal is to create community but it's hard i mean i just did a facebook live yesterday maybe had five or six people you know it at the moment i was like all right come on come on but you know the those who are meant to be there will be there you just never know even yeah. if it's one person who's listening, the impact that you could have on that person. So, the
0: ripple effect, right? The ripple that's, that's effect. It. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So I'll definitely make sure I include everything in the show notes. And before I let you go, I do have one last question. Sure. Um, your book, your recent book, The Wisdom of Jacob's Ladder, I am almost I've read it once. Thank you. And I'm going to read it again. <laughs> but I have a question here almost towards sure. the end. And I'm actually going to read from it, and then I'm going to ask you for your comments. Oh,
1: sure.
0: So here's the quote. I remembered that I was not born here, but rather had a purpose that was orchestrated far before I came here. I learned that my life was not a life that was physical or material, but rather a way to step past the illusion and use these tools for the spiritual. The physical-spiritual battle that we face is the ultimate measurement of integration of heaven and earth. When the two work with each other, the dissipation of darkness goes away and a magnificent light is cast.
1: Right. Yeah. It's important to remember who you are and not what you are. Mm-hmm. The identity of the what has triumphed the who. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a problem because what we are or not, our jobs, we're not our houses, we're not our cars. We are experiencing those things, but those things come and go. And so who are we, you know, is the question. And the more that we're able to see ourselves past a body, the more that we're able to understand that there is a part of us that goes beyond us. Uh, but even more that, you know, I think when people see themselves as the body, they want more physical things, you know, that will determine their identity um when you see yourself as a soul you know physical things are okay but you're less attached to it but you understand the ultimate currency is impact and connectivity Mm -hmm. you know and uplifting others you know that is something that lasts you know so you know there's no greater compliment than this person made this world a better place not a bigger place not a richer place but but a better place you know Mm -hmm. they gave some they gave someone that money can't buy you know which is joy which is love which is peace um And I think that's what we're all here to do, Um, you know, getting past the illusion that our success is only as good as the next person's success. Um, When someone else is hurting, we're hurting, you know, so oneness doesn't just mean, you know, hey, spending thousands of dollars, you know, on these retreats and meditating, lighting incense, but then not really caring about people. That's not it. You know, it's walking the talk and having compassion and care and service mind to other people
0: thank you thank you so much jacob i think if we all if each person you know kind of woke awoke to this this world would definitely be a better place yes thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today i really appreciate you being on this show Thank you. In other
1: words, going to a yoga studio with Lululemon outfits does not make you spiritual. What you make out of those Lululemon outfits will, right?
0: <laughs> right, and that's right. where the magic happens. Right. right, <laughs> right. right.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Totally exactly. appreciate this conversation with you, Jacob. Thank you. you. Thank
1: you.